and welcome all to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Taylor Reeves, alongside my other co-host, Jacob Dupree, and welcome. This is episode nine of season two, hashtag 82. For the OGs out there keeping full count of season one and season two, if this is your first time listening to us, go check out our back catalog. We are a dynasty-focused podcast with a redraft kick. Uh, And yes, welcome to our Jason Witten episode. I was about to say, this is... Like the efficient episode where supposedly we're just going to go 10 yards, catch a ball, fall down. But guess what? It's first down, baby. But we get back up. Every time. Punctured spleen or not, I am on my feet. So how you been, Jacob? Fantastic. The day came and went. It happened. That's that's about it. Still vertical. Can't really complain. No one hit my rental, so, you know, that's a win. So, um... You know, we uh, here in Texas, we had a long weekend. I was fortunate enough we were able to get Good Friday off. Um, and the USFL started this weekend. Did you get a chance to, to check out anything? I did not because I swear to God it started on April 22nd, not like the 18th or 16th or whenever it actually started. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. Um, I, I will say that the game, I, I got to catch a little bit on Saturday. And then when I went and saw the folks on Sunday, I was kind of keeping up with it. Uh, in between breaks here and there. Uh, but overall, I think the quality is, is good. Uh, comparably to the AAFL and the XFL from the previous years. Yeah, um, but I, I really do think there's potential there. I did like the fact that the XFL sent out a tweet, you know, wishing them well. And then at the end, they said, hope your checks don't bounce. Um, which, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, which is definitely a callback to the league itself uh, because that was a huge thing back in the 80s. But I feel like that's what every football league startup is. When How long is it going to take for the checks to bounce? But yeah, the product was good. We saw some, um, the, the one I was kind of most impressed with was Jordan Tiamu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, but he yeah. was an old Miss product, but he, I remember him, he was just killing it with the St. Louis battle Hawks. I think it was the name for the XFL a couple of years ago. And yeah. so it was cool to see him. They had a couple of close games. And so it's going to be fun to watch. It's just great to have football you know, in the spring. I will, I will say this. They're apparently they're on big networks. So like there's a game Friday that's on USA at seven. Yeah. There's two on Saturday, one at 11 that's on Fox and one on Fox Sports one. And then there's another game on Sunday that's on NBC slash Peacock. No, yeah. they are not a sponsor, but we, we should send them an email. We Just really should. Free advertising right there. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so speaking of Battle of the League, so we have the USFL and then moving into the XFL. I thought it was highly interesting that on the eve of the USL, USFL kicking off the XFL, uh, AKA uh, Dwayne rock Johnson's uh, little toy known as the XFL. They announced their eight head coaches. That'll be for the 2023 season. So we have uh, Reggie Barlow, uh, Anthony Becht, Terry, uh, Terrell Buckley, Jim Hazlitt, who was most famous for being known as the defensive coordinator for the Washington football team, Wade Phillips uh, for Cowboys fans, Broncos fans, Rams fans, just NFL fans in general, the defensive coordinator, former Dallas Cowboys head coach. Uh, and then, of course, there is Bob Stoops, a former OU lore. Yep, baby. Um, mm-hmm. He's returning. Can't wait to see that team losing the championship game. Oh, my gosh. Stop. <laughs> I do what I want. Um, and then there's some really interesting names here that I think is a terrific add to the head coaches here. We have Heinz Ward, who was former Super Bowl 40 uh, MVP for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then we have Rod Woodson, 
uh, Hall of Fame uh, safety, Rod Woodson. So uh, very interesting group of coaches. I like the mixture that we have here of kind of the old guard. We have, you know, some NFL experience. We have college experience. We have former XFL experience from like two years ago before COVID hit. And then we have this um, breadth of NFL talent um, that has been, I believe, Heinz Ward and Rod uh, Rodney Woodson or, or Rod Woodson. They've been uh, assistant coaches in the college ranks uh, the, the past couple of years. So it'll be good to see them have uh, an opportunity here to be head coaches. Uh, Jacob, what do you what do you think about the mixture here, and what do you expect for the XFL XFL uh, for next year? I hope it sticks around. That's about all I got for it. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously interested interested to see what happens, but at the same time, I'm wondering how can the uh, USFL and the XFL coexist at the same time when they're both pulling from the same pool of players, basically. Right, right. And so this is going to be one of those, like if you're a Magic the Gathering player, this is going to be one of those death sprout moments. Oh, yeah. One of them's going to die, but in return, you're going to be able to go get like, you know, a land that will help your, your board out. But anyways, I just, I'm interested to see what happens. Like, if the USFL goes pretty well, that's a lot of L sounds there. Um, then I think the XFL will have an issue. But the fact that the XFL has already had the conversation and the continuity with the NFL, like, yeah, we'll be your guinea pig league. You want to experiment on rules? Hit us up, baby. So, I mean, I definitely think the XFL has a heads up. But I hope The Rock communicates across and is like, hey, let's com- let's combine this situation. Let's get some get some real shindigs up in this. Yeah, I, I think the thing that fans are going to get out of this is the best spring football possible uh, with the fact of that, yeah, they are pulling from the same group. But I also think there's some interesting things here. So you kind of touched on it. the XFL has that connection with the NFLPA. I mean, obviously, The Rock did the announcement at the beginning of the Super Bowl this year, uh, which was interesting, to say the least. And so the Obviously, they're going to be pulling from that group, which is, you know, maybe that third string, four string practice player that can go to the XFL develop. And then the USFL is doing the same. The question here is with the NIL deals. Now, Jacob, I pose this question to you. Let's say we have players or a player pool that has NIL deals. They play their freshman, sophomore year. They're making like $100,000 a year. And the XFL or the USFL comes up to him and it says, Hey, you want to come be a starter for the XFL in the spring? We'll pay you $300,000. I'm wondering if that possibility will happen because the way that the NFL rules are set up is that you have to be three years removed. It didn't say anything about college eligibility. So it, it gets into an interesting dynamic there. I don't know the, the specifics on it, but do you see potential for that where you have a two year starter potentially looking to a professional league in the spring? It just depends on the player and where he's at with his life and career and stuff. And this is also another reason why I hated the NIL deal right. is because if a player's not getting paid enough, they could say screw college, go to the U- the USFL or the XFL. Right. And that's that. They could be there for two years, break a leg, and now they're working at a gas station or, you know, a couple of years later because they didn't stick around to get an education or something like that. Obviously I'm not right. going to berate anyone for, you know, working at that job because we need them and stuff yeah. like that. But for yeah. these specific players and these specific people, individuals on the yeah. continuum that is life, if you're getting a, getting a free ride, especially right. like scholarship players, yeah. if you're getting a free ride for college, 
if you want to hear me rant about the NIL, just go back to last summer and hear me <laughs> yell exactly. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because I'm a teacher's son and all that stuff, but like right. your payment was your tuition was gone. You had to go catch a pigskin on a field. I'm not saying that there's not extra, you know, difficulty and fatigue levels because you have practice, class, practice, class, and it just never ends in a circle. But right. That's just kind of my soapbox with it. So you can, I'm mean, you're going to see players like whichever one of these leagues or both, if they succeed, you will see the college game, I think, suffer because of it. Right. Because there's going to be a thought, well, screw this. I can go play there, make a name for myself, still enter in the draft as a 22 or 23 year old. Right. Better my chance because that way there I can play consistently, but here I can't. Yeah. We, we may be um, denied the stories of like a Rashad White who was in junior college, f- figures out his way to Arizona State and has a potential of being a great NFL prospect. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just I'm, – I'm, I'm interested. That's about the best thing I have to say about it. I'm kind of trepidatious to see what's going to happen. And, yes, I'm in my bag of tricks when it comes to words yep. tonight. So, Chris Stein self. Next, next year is definitely going to be spicy because I feel like they're going to come after players like a Caleb Williams or a Quinn Ewers who have been two years in the NIL – uh, portal system. And, you know, for, for instance, with Caleb Williams, I think he's making $5 million this year. If the XFL comes over and is like, Hey, we're going to, we can pay you 10, $15 million or two years, $15 million. You know, I could see him potentially going and there's interest, you know, that's. Yeah. I was just, I was just looking at this. That's a spicy prospect there. for USFL though. And it was 45 K a player. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm obviously it's the first year. If stuff expands, it could. But also, if you're one of those players, you're like, unless, like you said, you're a depth player on a college roster. If you're making five million as a college athlete who's supposed to be in school and stuff, why would you go anywhere else? Yeah. But by the way, uh, Squirrel, um, side thought. Did you see J.R. Smith? He just became and he got an NIL deal with Lululemon uh, to yeah, play golf with North Carolina A&T. This dude, I, I kid you not. Now that's a guy maximizing his potential there. He's a two-time NBA champion. And didn't go to getting, college, and he's like, "I'm going to go to college because you can make money in college." He's having a blast. He's getting his education. He's playing some golf, and he's getting a sweet deal with Lululemon. I'm like, Jr., you you are playing 3D chess while the rest of us are playing See, checkers. He he's living his best life. <laughs> Alrighty. So the next topic here. Let's get into some NFL. Uh, free agency updates. So Geno Smith signed a one-year, $7 million extension in Seattle. Uh, Jacob, I remember you getting a little bit of crap from the uh, the SDD league. You guys can all suck it. <laughs> About you picking up. Correct Geno until Smith proven and, wrong. <laughs> and dropping Drew Locke. So um, that's kind of interesting there, uh, simply for the fact of, because I'm, I'm a Baker Mayfield owner. Um I'm just wondering, you know, is he still having the potential to be traded to Seattle? Is he now going to go to Carolina? What is happening? The draft will tell all. We will find out either on the draft or shortly after draft day, because if you're the Panthers and your quarterback you want, it's taken ahead of you. Screw it. We'll send you a third round pick for Baker. (laughs) Yeah, right. They'll probably float over like a sixth because they know that they have all the leverage. Oh yeah. No, I, I, and you know, remember a couple of weeks ago when we had discussed it, the rumor was, is that the Browns were looking for a second and first round draft pick. And I'm like, what universe are y'all living in? 
Not happening. You're not getting that. You just signed Watson to a fully guaranteed. Say, if you're going to do that, you'd make that trade before you sign the home slice with the massive contract. Right. Anyways, speaking of quarterback signing uh, big deal. So Derek Carr signed a three-year $121 million extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. I actually think that's a discount. Um, you know, averages out to about 40 million a year, but I think they said they worked it to the, salary cap wise that he's only going to be like counting against i think it's like 25 million per year against the cap and the rest of its bonus he he has a quote saying that he took less money because he wants his team to be built up around him he literally right. like quoted he's like i want to do what tom brady did he right took less money to make his team better yeah and, and that was because um it, if i remember correctly they, he was talking about yeah i got burned because khalil Mack got traded because my coach was yeah he's like my best friend got traded yeah, yeah, and then obviously the defense didn't get rebuilt till Max Crosby uh, showed up. But yeah, no, I think that's great. You have Josh McDaniels there at the helm. You have all of that talent. Uh, a prethla, a prethla, plethora, prethla. Told you. Say yep. one more time. I'm not doing it again. Plethora, <laughs> plethora. Would you say I have a plethora of pinatas? Sorry, <laughs> a Yes, they definitely had a plethora of offensive talent. There you go. There you go. All right. So moving into some of the uh, Instagram shenanigans that is happening with the second and third year players. Uh, Yeah. So Kyler Murray is saying that he won't participate in offseason program amid his contract dispute. And then there was also rumblings. I was listening to this on the Pat McAfee show. They were talking about, yeah, he's not going to play unless there's a new contract extension. Mm-hmm. which in some ways I don't blame him, but also the same time we discussed this, I don't like the way he went about it. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, it's stupid. And we can kind of roll this with the next group, like Debo Samuel, Terry McClure and AJ Brown are all going to skip off field or off season workouts because they want a new contract. Well, Terry McLaurin's the one I think he was doing it right. He's like, as a team leader, I'm going to show up, be in facility, but I won't participate. And honestly, if I'm the commanders, I'm like, that's fine. You're still going to see what's happening. Yeah. And the sad part is he's not even making the biggest news for his team. Go check it out. Dan Snyder, U S Congress. We're not going to talk about on here, but yeah, the U (laughs) S freaking Congress is looking into an NFL football team with the backdoor tradings for the last Mm -hmm. 20 plus years. But with, with Kyler, like yanking all of his Cardinal stuff from his uh, Instagram, Debo Samuel did the same thing. Right. I'm just like, once again, I might sound like an 80-year-old boomer, but God, I hate millennials. <laughs> Is this a contract dispute? You're just going to be like, I'm taking everything off of my social media. It's like, boy, you still play for me. I still see my jersey on your back everywhere when I Google your name. Yeah. Screw no. it up. Do Terry McLaurin's way. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's it's like show up, at least be there for your team. Um. And then, you know, if you want to, I don't understand why they don't go full Jimmy Butler. Just show up, be like, yeah, I said it. That's what's happening. Give me the third string, guys. I'm going to beat all you fools. Remember <laughs> that with the Timberwolves? Yeah. That was great. I wish more athletes would do that. Be like, yeah, I had to sit down with ESPN. Yeah, he's sluggish. Yeah, he's here for just the points. Yeah, that one doesn't <laughs> want to win. Just calling out everybody. And, you know, now you see him on the Miami Heat. He's getting into fights with his coaches. I love it. God, I love it. It's so awesome. It's fun to watch. I wish you, I wish you could do that at work, right? If you're, like, trying to figure out a contract. Yeah. 
Yeah, that coworker, he never helps out. That one always takes credit for the PowerPoints. That person never refills the coffee pot, which honestly is the worst one of all of them. It's the worst thing. They never pitch in for the K-Cups. Speaking of the people who never pitch in for K-Cups, apparently Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco as per Adam Schefter. That came across like 40 minutes ago. Wow. And so I'm, I'm just like, where, where is he going to go? Well, my thing is, he's like, I had 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns. And I'm yeah. like, yes, it's because we had no running backs because whenever Elijah Mitchell was injured, you were the next best guy because we had no depth back there. Right. When it comes to wide receivers, it's like, it was George Kittle or you. I, Brandon Ayuk was in, in, in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. No one else was valuable. I'm like, you were kind of out of necessity is where you were birthed out of from last season. Right. And if, once again... I talked all about Debo Samuel, I think it was our last episode. Yeah. And I keep throwing it back. I'm just like, you should have traded him three weeks ago. That's just me. I think this is more cause to say that I'm currently on the track to be correct mundo. So do you think it's because he's frustrated with the offense or the fact that he doesn't have he his contract? His or do you think or do you think it's a quarterback thing? Do you he think he doesn't want to be okay? Okay. I'm just wondering just be- if it was a Trey Lance or a Jimmy G thing. He doesn't care because he sees that kind of like we've talked about all offseason, like Tyreek got paid. Devonta Adams got paid. Stephon Diggs got paid. And he's over here. And listen, once again, we're a player from the podcast. And his whole group is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you want your money? Go get your money, boy. Do what you got to do. But I'm just like, dude, this escalated real quick, real quick from only pretty much one year of production. I will remind him of that if for some reason he ever listens to this. I, I have a hot take here. I would I would love for the Cowboys to sign a ridiculous amount of money because that seems like a Jerry Jones thing and drop Zeke tomorrow. <laughs> clear clear the dead cap space there, bring in Debo, and then we're good to go. That's a thick dead cap hit whenever he uh, hits the old open market, though. <laughs> just, just saying. I know. <laughs> All righty, and then obviously with A.J. Brown – um, you know, he's having his contract dispute. Uh, I just don't get it, man. I mean, he, he obviously, you know, expunged his entire Instagram. Uh, obviously I don't think the Titans are the same team if he holds out. So I, I, I like the fact that the players are getting together and they're trying to figure this out. And I think maybe they're trying to do, I think the NFL PA is pushing the NFL to be more like the NBA in the sense of we want guaranteed money. And we need to figure it out. Like we pay our dues, so to speak, with the the rookie salary scale. Uh, once we're able to earn that second paycheck, you know, let, let's make it guaranteed. And I, I completely understand that. You would rather take guaranteed money over incentives because you don't know what the future holds. Yeah, but it's just, it's frustrating. Like once again, maybe it's just my mindset. I'm just like, dude, you signed a contract and you popped on. I know you want more money. I get it. Go show why you need to get paid like the best of them. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just because I'm old time thinking or whatever. But for me, if I'm like an owner or a coach or something, I'm just like, dude, if you want to show me your worth, show me your worth on the field and I will pay you your worth. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done from like all standpoints all around. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to say that I have no sympathy for these players sitting here saying like, Hey, I need a good contract. Cause look at what I've done. Right. But, you know, like, AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin have much better cases than for instance, I think Debo Samuel does because both of those two players, they've been relevant for the past three to four seasons. Right. I'd argue to say Debo has been useful for one of his previous, I think four seasons so far. Right. 
So like AJ Brown and Terry, I, I get it more just because it's like, I do have a track record. Terry McLaurin, especially he's like, dude, if I wasn't here, who are you throwing the ball to? Honestly. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's very similar to Deandre Hopkins when he was in Houston. It was like, yeah. there's no quarterbacks. It's been a rotation yet. I'm still producing thousand yard seasons exactly. for a ridiculously terrible teams. Exactly. And now he has Carson Wentz, who's a much better quarterback than anyone else he's played with, which lets you know one of two things, how bad the quarterbacks he's been with and that Carson Wentz is better than Taylor will tell you in the offseason. Alex Smith would have been good if he was not injured. I heard would have, which means he wasn't good whenever he was there. Okay. Boom! Okay. Got him. Punch, punch. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our wonderful series of Perfect Rookie Fits. This week is wide receivers, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to the quarterback or the running backs, go take a listen. Uh, hashtag grow the show. Thank you to everyone that's been listening to us. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hello, and welcome back to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. All right. So we're going to do the perfect rookie fits for wide receivers. Wait, Jacob. Did did someone just join the Zoom? Who who is this person? We found a homeless guy roaming around the streets, and we said, "Hey, you look like you know something. I like your fro." Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Jance is back to the pod. Welcome back, sir. How are you? My favorite podcast. I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, I take that to heart, even though I know it's probably a lie. That's fine. No, no it it gets me animated every Tuesday or Wednesday morning to listen to your hot takes. God I was bless. wondering where that one star on the Google Google Chrome <laughs> podcast was. I tried to, to write it three or four times. It only gave me one shot. <laughs> That's what I would say to you. <laughs> all righty. So, um, Jance, I was told to do this, but uh, all right, do real it. quick. Brees Hall, Carter, let's go. Get into it. JD, start. I, we don't have time for this. Brees Hall would be fine on the Jets. I don't care if he's a 60% snap player. Be great. He'd still get 30 catches, all the rushing touchdowns, moving on with the chlorophyll. I think you're right about that. Because, like, I think we needed to qualify our terms before that discussion because we spent 10, 10 minutes plus talking about that. Now, I think we came to terms in the same agreement. I think basically he would be fine. I think he'd be great. <laughs> Just if I'm the one-on-one like I was, I no longer am, but I was, I want that guy to be – you know, RB1 type stuff or wide receiver type one caliber, not the one, but, you know, one through 12. Um, if I'm going to draft that guy and on the Jets, I would think that he might miss out at least on some third down work because Michael Carter is pretty good at that. And so that would worry me slightly simply because he's going to catch a lot of balls. Not that Brees wouldn't, but, I mean, you're giving up a lot of third down work in that case. I can respect your wrong opinion. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. We will agree to disagree and maybe bring that up on a later podcast. Who knows? Hashtag grow the show. Let us know what your thoughts are on the Brees Hall versus Michael Carter potential backfield feud, depending on what happens in the NFL draft. That's the, that's the biggest kicker that we both also came down to is like, this is a hypothetical world that we're arguing about. <laughs> It was. I thought there's no chance that could happen. And that morning, I looked at the most recent draft. Brees Hall of the Jets. So I'm like, no. It's like, stop it. <laughs> We're high-braining this thing. All righty, guys. So uh, let's get into the wide receivers here. So let's start with Garrett Wilson. JD, where do you think he's going to go? So I will phrase this by saying, like, my rankings of these wide receivers are as nebulous as the Oklahoma wind. It kind of does whatever it wants, however and whenever it wants. 
Currently, I think I'd have Garrett Wilson as my number two, just because from what I've seen from him, I think there's a couple of holes in his game. Like I think he can be a little bit more well-rounded in a couple of just general areas, but when pushing the shove, he is a great talent. Whoever takes him is going to be happy with what they get. I think I saw a mock draft where he went number eight to the Falcons, which to me is slightly egregious, but like if he was to land in that spot, I would not be mad at it. Um, I think is probably like perfect spot, especially now with the Debo Samuel news that we saw creeping out earlier today. San Francisco might be creeping up there, but I think probably the quote unquote most perfect place is Cleveland. They need a solid second behind Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper's 29 getting up there. Realistically, will that happen? No, he's not going to make it that far. Zero percent chance. Hey, but it'd be great for ticket sales if he went to Cleveland. Um, so, Jance, where do you think uh, Garrett Wilson is going? I mean, I really do think he's probably going to go to Atlanta. I mean, every mock draft I look at just about puts him there. I think what, what's going to be important in this is it seems like whoever goes first is going to start a run of wide receivers most likely mm-hmm. in this first round. So that's what's going to dictate the rest of it. I would be shocked if he makes it past the, uh, I guess, the commanders at uh, number 11 because you've got the Falcons at eight, the Jets mm-hmm. at 10, both of those two teams are taking a wide receiver at those two spots. Just a matter of who's going to be. No matter what they say, they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. So I would guess the Falcons, which I think it's a, a fine landing spot. The quarterback situation is obviously not great, but the opportunity is going to be there in bunches. Um, and Kyle Pitts, obviously, we know he's established, uh, but there is no outside threat on that team. There's not an established running back that, well, in my opinion, put out Patterson, take him for what you will. But I mean, if he goes there, he's going to have targets galore and opportunity, which is 60% of, of any fantasy production value right there. So I would be great with that. The Jets would be a less than ideal spot for anybody, I think, <laughs> voting him. So I think the Falcons would be better. Uh, even the Commanders would be a better spot. But I think he's going to go one of those three for sure. And he's probably this – is, this is hard to say. He's going to be probably my third-rated receiver as it is. Wow. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, now I will qualify that by saying that him and his Ohio state counterpart, Chris Olave, I think they are probably the two locks of this first five. They are going to produce. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good no matter where they are. I just think their ceiling might be capped a little bit shorter than their counterparts in this draft. Gotcha. So okay. If you're looking for to be conservative and to get somebody, you know, is going to be good, probably going to be a wide receiver two type person for sure. Darrell Wilson's great. He's he, mm-hmm. those top three guys. He's, he's going to be the, you know, the safest pick. Um, I just think his ceiling's probably a little bit capped for me. Um, but, you know, you ask 10 guys, they're going to give you 10 different rankings for these for these receivers. They're that close. So take for what you will. Okay. So real quick, um, you know, Julio Jones, uh, you know, the Falcons traded up to get him. Do you see a team trading up into that Falcons or Jet, Jets position at eight? 10 or even the, with the commanders there from that eight to 11 range trading up, whether it be the saints, the chiefs, uh, the green Bay Packers, they have some ammunition. I know the, the saints had moved up, but do you see any, any teams potentially leapfrogging to be able to get a Garrett Wilson? Yeah, I think it's going to have to be one of those other receiver need teams, obviously. So if you tell me the Eagles lock in on Garrett Wilson, they say, this is the guy we want. Perhaps they could trade up into that. The saints in the same boat, you've got, about three or four teams in these mid-tiers, the Cardinals just the same, who are all looking for wide receiver help. Now, to me, I think they'll be fine with any of these top five or six mm-hmm. guys. I think that's what we'll see. But if they lock in on one guy and say it's that Garrett Wilson, you're going to have to get into the top ten to get him. 
Um, so if you tell me that any of those teams, the Eagles, the Saints, the Cardinals, any of those teams are willing to trade up into that spot because they got to have him, then, yeah, I could see them jumping up to the Falcons' eight spot. I don't think it's likely, but it's it's certainly possible because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I'm right there with you, too. Like, I think that Seattle Seahawks at number nine is in a perfect spot to trade down because they don't really need a wide receiver right now. So if the Falcons do take, say, you know, Garrett Wilson, all of a sudden the team who's focused in on Alave or Drake London or Traylon or whoever, they're going to say, holy freaking crap, the Jets are coming up soon. I got to get up there to get my guy. So right. I, I think nine is going to be the spot to watch if a wide receiver gets taken at eight. I, I agree. I see him being taken by the Falcons, the commanders or the jets. Uh, but I agree with y'all. It would be a very interesting pick to see him go to Tennessee, the 49ers, even the Browns. All righty. So moving into our next perfect fit for wide receiver, we have Jamison Williams, uh, who is a, outstanding talent out of Alabama. So Jance, where do you th- see Jamison Williams being uh, going? You know what? Originally I, I really thought he would go to one of these mid tier teams um, being the Eagles, the saints, the Cardinals, kind of the teams we just talked about the, the chargers potentially. Um, but there are a lot of people that see him. I should say, it seems like a lot of NFL teams that see him as the number one receiver in this class. I know the ACL, um, scares a lot of people mm-hmm. uh but it was being talked about that before that injury that he was going to be the wide receiver one and in today's age you know the acl injury just isn't what it used to be um so i think there's a there's a possibility if anybody else is going to be picked close to that top 10 it's probably going to be him um but if i had to guess i'd still say he's probably going to the eagles or the saints um both of those places i think would be great um, to put him across from Devonta Smith, um, even though he's obviously quick, they don't really do the exact same thing. Uh, I mean, Jamison is just a complete burner. I mean, you put on film of him from Alabama and he just gets behind the defenses um, all the time. But he's but he's versatile in the way that he can run through the middle of the field and run routes and, and make plays in that way. So I think I think the Eagles would be fine and the Saints would be would be great as well. I know that. Um, Maybe Jameis isn't the best, but we know that he's going to chuck it all the time. 5,000, um, 30, and 30 club, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Michael Thomas just isn't quite producing the way he used to. He's still fantastic, but he's not quite what he was. So I think that'd be a fantastic situation to put in as well. So probably those two um, would be my my ideal spots for him. See, which, I'm by, be... which, by the way, the Jameson numbers is like my Madden stats. <laughs> <laughs> Keep chucking it deep. I don't care what happens. <laughs> Always go for it on fourth. Always. It's the Joe Burrow mentality. F it, Jamar's <laughs> down there somewhere. No, see, I, I like those, those spots of the Eagles and the Saints because obviously, like, I feel like we could say the Eagles, the Saints, and, you know, especially the Falcons, for any of these wide receivers, it's going to be a great opportunity, a great spot to land. And so for rookie drafts, it's going to be like, okay, who, which organization do you trust the most? And so I think currently, because this was a part of Jansen and I's argument the other day about, you know, like, if Brees went to the Jets and Kenneth Walker went to the uh, the Falcons, which organization do you trust most to kind of come back around quicker? And I agreed with him reluctantly that the Falcons have a better headship. So I would say if Jamison Williams goes to the Falcons at eight, that would be a humdinger for a second half of year comeback because just on the way back from uh, the ACL tear. Um, I'll also throw out there, I've seen him mocked to the Chargers, and I've seen a lot of that smoke coming around. Oh, to, to the where, Chargers, that's that's appetizing. Yeah, like, and I think that would rise his dynasty stock just 
excellently out of my range, unfortunately, in all drafts, but that's okay. But like, kind of like James was saying, like he very well was supposed to be the number one wide receiver from this class all the way through the championship game. Then all of a sudden he towards ACL and it's okay. Where's he going to be at on his recovery timetable and all that X, Y, and Z. So I definitely think one of the back half of the first round teams, you know, if they need him, they'll take a shot on him. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas city, if they oh, snagged him, if he's sitting I, there. If you told me that he could fall <laughs> down to that Packers and Kansas City area, he would be my wide receiver one. Sure. <laughs> just so slam it down. I don't think it would happen, but I would pray to God that it does. <laughs> I'm just saying, we've seen crazy things happen, okay? But, and what's crazier about this situation, keep in mind, this is a guy who transferred from Ohio yes. State. So he, he could not get on the field ahead of <laughs> Olave and ahead of Garrett Wilson, ahead of Jackson you know, what's his name that I can't say pronounce? In Jigba. In Jigba, who's going to be a stud next year, hopefully my team. Um, no. <laughs> and I get on the field at Ohio State, but then transfers to Alabama and then just has this one-year, you know, experience and just being a complete stud. So it's a crazy story, but he is uber talented. And I guess that is another question you could talk about. It's like, why couldn't he get ahead of those other guys? Was it just a coaching thing? Was it just a – Might have been a scheme thing. Style thing? Like – yeah, I, I I don't think we'll really know, but I mean, he showed that he could play for sure mm-hmm. this year. I, would I honestly don't care. He had 1,500 <laughs> yards and he killed Georgia in the SEC <laughs> championship yeah, game. And the and, toughest conference in America. So, I mean, I take it for what it is. And, and just like with OBJ during the Super Bowl, he was on a path of helping Alabama beat Georgia in the national championship game before he tore his ACL. He was burning them up again. Um, I agree with both of you uh, where he could potentially be going. Another team that I would like to throw in there, I know this is probably very unrealistic, but let's team him back up with the man himself in Chicago, Justin Fields. Chicago, come on. They need a wide receiver. That would be an interesting He ain't going to make it to the second round. They ain't going to trade I know he's not, but I I know the Bears are looking potentially to make a splash. They need more offense. I'm just saying, we can put that out there. They need more yes. They do need more yes. Everything. (laughs) All right. All right, so moving into our next wide receiver, we have Drake London from the University of Southern California. So, Jance, where do you see uh, Drake London going to? And I'm not, I'm not super happy about it. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Jets, but, oh gosh. But, you know, um, you take Zach Wilson. What they've got to do for him, which they've already done it in part, Elijah Moore is, is great. Um, but they've got to get him more weapons, and Drake London is a perfect weapon to get for a young quarterback because he, he makes it so easy that you literally just throw the ball in his general vicinity, <laughs> and he's going to come down with it. Um, Low-key, this is right now my number one wide receiver in this class. Um, I didn't know a lot about Drake London, didn't see a single USC game last year until I decided to put on the film and, and watch what I could of him. And I was blown away by watching him play. Um, for me, when I'm looking for, for my standouts and the studs in any fantasy class, I want to see somebody who, when I'm watching them play, they look like grown men amongst children. And that's what I saw. <laughs> Drake London at USC. <laughs> that there were times where it, Take Notre Dame, for instance. Notre Dame, good program, good defense. At 17 catches for, like, 200 yards. And it did, did not matter what they did. They could not stop. God. And truly, the, the comparison mm. that he gets is Mike Evans. It's a good comparison. I think what the best comparison for him is actually Mike Evans at Texas A&M. So, Mike Evans now is, is mostly a deep threat. He's, he's darn good at it. But if you go back and watch uh, Mike Evans at Texas A&M, 
he caught slants, he caught screens. I mean, they put him all over the field in the short game and passing to him deep, and he excelled because he was just a physical freak. And Drake London does the same. But, yes, we know about the highlight catches downfield. We know that he's great at high point in the ball. But they did the same thing. When they put him on slants, they put him in the screen game. They motioned him behind the line of scrimmage and threw it to him in the flat. I mean, this guy, for the fact that he, he's tall but doesn't have a huge frame. 6'5", 210. Never got taken down by the first guy. It was always the second or the third. Broke tackles. and was just a yak machine. Um, and he so that on a T-shirt, yak machine. Please. That would be a great fantasy football name. <laughs> Interesting, but also terrifying, because it would be like throw up on it, yak machine. So it depends. Pray, it depends. I pray that the Jets pass on him and he actually the commanders would be much better. I know they already have Taylor Horn, yeah. but get him with Carson Wentz, get him on that offense. I think he'll succeed with the Jets as well, but it would have to be patience in that situation. Yeah, because Carson Wentz and USC wide receivers work out so great. I'll fight I you right now. Last year, he was fine. <laughs> Thank you. He was seven, number 17 <laughs> last year. Another good comparison is his USC compadre. Yes. Michael so, this is why I like him. So speaking <laughs> of Drake London, my pick is I think he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. I would like to see him go to, to Andy. Yeah. I mean, if he makes it that far, like kind of like yeah. Jansen said, I, I feel like there's a bunch of players. And after he said, now I can't get out of my head. Like after the first wide receiver goes, I think it's going to be like a gold rush to whoever can get up high enough to get the guy that they want. Because once again, like I feel like the other Jacob and I, we have a very similar mind meld when it comes to a lot of like evaluation and thought processes. And we both prefer to be at the end of a tier instead of the front. Because if you're getting basically the same value for a cheaper price, heck freaking yeah. So I feel like if Drake London, for instance, like I think I would love it if he'd go to the Eagles to be that big bodied president on the outside for the quarterback after Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts is garbage. <laughs> oh, he goes away. We don't need another no discussion on this. But, we, we <laughs> but I really think he'd be good with the Eagles because, like Jet said, he can get open, he can do it all, he can catch every pass that you can throw it out there, no matter how inaccurate it might be. And also, I will throw this out there: the ADP of these wide receivers so far, Garrett Wilson in non-superflex leagues is the 103. Drake London's the 104. Jamison Williams is the 107. We haven't even talked about the first wide receiver coming off the board just yet. Ooh, who who is that, JD? It, it's Traylon Burks. Favorite player ever. It's Traylon Burks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Hey, Traylon was just like Drake London. He was the passing game at his respective school oh, yes. uh, for the Razorbacks. So, you know, he's getting comparisons to DK Metcalf, um, which obviously people have a short-term memory, but everyone was going – Oh, goodness gracious, what are we going to do with DK Metcalf? He's a freak. We're going to draft him, but we honestly don't know what we're getting. And I feel like it's similar, but maybe a poor man version of it. I just, listen, go watch Traylon Burke's film because you see that he's 6'3", he's 225. He looks like Predator on steroids himself. But you watch him as a wide receiver, I see a lot of red flags. Like, he's my number five receiver from this class wow okay and it's terrifying for me that he's going at as the 102 in like super non-super flex leagues because yes he has the build yes he's getting all the comparisons but you see him run his route tree it's a go and it's a slant period he has stiff hips he doesn't really make many people miss for guys 63 225 I saw him get taken down by the first guy way too many times. Okay, this is probably a gut punch, but I'm going to say two words. Des Bryant. I, I don't care. Des Bryant was I, actually I a good know, receiver. But I, 
Yeah, but he is the same issues with the route tree is what I'm saying. There, there's nothing mm. wrong in the, in the NFL being able to run a couple of routes. It is if you're Traylon Burks and you get jammed off the line by a tiny SEC defender, and next thing you know, you're still there two seconds later. But he's the, he's he's the only wide receiver, though. I know that was a deep cut. That was my bad. I probably shouldn't have invoked How, that, but did, I did. Yeah, I get did. Out of here, <laughs> I did. Hey, hey, I was a Des fan. He caught it. Okay. Here's the thing. With Traylon Burks, um, I don't know if it was necessarily him or the offense because Kendall Brawls runs that Baylor offense at Arkansas. And so I think like a DK Metcalf, he's going to be a project and it's going to be like, okay, Traylon, uh, the next three months, all we're doing is route running. You're going to be cutting. We're going to do agility skills. That's great. Footwork, that you can... footwork, footwork. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to learn to uh, an eight by eight. <laughs> we're we're going to do the uh, the ladder every single day and, and you have to make every route look the same. That makes no sense because I just punch people off off the line like Hulk and be able to run past them. Well, you can't do that in the NFL because there's a Hulk as a cornerback. Uh, they punch back. <laughs> exactly. I will say, and before I kick it to my esteemed other Jacob here, um, if he goes to a team that, like we've said, kind of can develop him, and this means there has to be a good coaching staff, like my absolute favorite spot for him, and I would rise on him considerably, is if he does somehow fall to Green Bay or somehow fall to Kansas City. I would love that because they have a coaching staff that I feel like could give him the ins and the outs of how to be an actual NFL wide receiver. And, and not to mention on the Kansas city thing real quick, he, he could do the two routes because the way <laughs> I, I'm just being honest, it would be like w- with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Traylon, we need you to go, uh, go deep because Juju's going to come across the middle. You know, it's, I, I really do like that pick. James, right. w- g- give me them dirty deets, baby. Oh, I think I have Traylon as my number two right now. Now, the reason for that is he's kind of got it on both sides. I think he has the highest ceiling of anybody in this class. True. Um, but I think he also has high bust potential. Um, also true. When you watch him at Arkansas, it's kind of a mixed bag. The one thing that stands out, like you mentioned, is his he's very raw when it comes to being um, an NFL-level receiver. From the standpoint of even on a, a slant route, it's very curved. There's not a much There's not much break even in his <laughs> Um, you so know, it's coming from a mile away, <laughs> very DK Met- Metcalf like in that way. But what I will say is, is his combination of size and speed is so rare. I mean, six, three, two twenty five. Um, whenever I first started looking into him, I assumed that he was just similar to Drake London. The fact of he's just a go deep and get the ball kind of guy. And he can do that. But, um, you know, Arkansas used him all over the field, like you mentioned, behind the line of scrimmage, jet sweeps, um, screens, the whole nine yards. Um, and th- he was a guy that suffered a lot from his quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns were left in the field by the lack of accuracy from um, K.J. Jefferson. But um, I think his, his, his less than stellar combine is actually going to be a blessing for him. Um, originally, he was going to be one of the top two or three receivers off the board. Now he's probably going to be the fourth or fifth, which means he's going to be probably the highest point, the Saints, but you're looking at the Saints, the Cardinals, Chargers, the Packers, Packers Chiefs, some really yes. good destinations. And I think his destination is going to be the key for him. And um, stamp of approval. Guy, I don't care <laughs> what his 40 time said at four, five, five, which at his size is not bad, but this guy can move. I mean, it, it's, it's deceiving because you watch film on him and my eyes tell me that he's moving slow because of his frame. It's like, man, this guy looks like he's just lugging around. But then you see him blowing past guys that are 180 pounds in the secondary. Go watch their game against Alabama. Um, 
oh, yeah. where he caught a like a 10 yard jump pass mm-hmm. and just sprinted through the secondary. I, I mean, I think I heard it was from maybe CBS where they said that he was clocked at 22 miles per hour, one of the fastest speeds in all college football. So this guy's terrifying. Move. Yeah. And, and so for me, I think if you got to give me a problem with a receiver getting into the league, route running is probably on the lower end of that spectrum. Not that it's not a problem, but it, I think that can be taught. But you can't teach his speed. You can't teach his build. And so for that reason, and his versatility where he's compared to a Debo Samuel and an A.J. Brown, that he can be used in multifaceted. So say he's struggling with one aspect, they can use him in other options until he gets that down. So I think his destination is going to be key. If you tell me that he gets drafted, say he went early to the Jets, to the Falcons, to the Commanders, I'm worried because I don't trust those organizations and where they're at right now to develop him. But you tell me where he goes, where it looks like he's going to go, being the Packers, the Chiefs, those kind of organizations, I'd be all in on Traylon Burks because with the quarterback of those caliber, those organizations, I think he can thrive because I think there's a lot to unlock with him. And if it's done correctly, this could be a stud for, you know, five to 10 years. So if he does go to one of those teams, how high in a rookie draft would you take him? If he went to the, the Packers or the Chiefs, uh, and the Packers is is interesting because they might take two receivers. We forget they yeah. have like pick twenty three and I think uh, twenty nine or something like that. Uh, I have it right here. They have twenty eight and twenty two. So so let's say they take Traylon at twenty two, and let's say they get Chris Olave at twenty eight. That changes a little bit because now you're you're fighting for touches with another stud receiver. But if he's the only one, he probably he probably at least shifts up to my number two. He might he might get to Ooh. number one. I'm, Ooh. On Drake London. Ooh, saucy. Get that's that's a hot take right there. That, that situation is juicy. I get that. Oakley well, roars his approval. I, I mean, I could see him. If he goes to Kansas City, you and I both know he's not making it out of the, out of the first round, and he's also not going to make it out past the top six, in my opinion. No, if, if he is no. in one of those hot spots, I guarantee you he's going to be gone, like, probably top four at least. Like, especially if it's – for me, it's Kansas City. If he goes Kansas City – the 102 it might just be right over, over Ken Walker. Y- yeah, probably. I, Wide receivers have a ooh, lifespan. Yeah, I don't know if I can ooh. go that far, but I, I could be tempted. Oh, that's another argument. Uh, we can fight I'm, about I'm, it later. I'm gonna I'm gonna jot that down with the other arguments. Jalen Hurts, and then text also about it, uh, Kenny Walker, <laughs> Ken Ken Walker the third, Kenneth Walker the third versus uh, Traylon Burks. All right, fellas, let's move into Chris Olave. Speaking of Ohio State wide receivers, um, so, J.D., where do you see Chris Olave going? Right now, Chris Olave's ADP, and um, once again, non-super flex, it's just the OG league I got in front of my face, is currently the 108. So I feel like he is probably one of the most dependent on landing spots, just kind of like Traylon, because it will take a team who kind of can figure it out a little bit. Like, he has probably some of the smoothest routes you'll see He's got the playmaking. He's got the speed. He's a little smaller, 6'1", 188. I don't know. Someone's going to be like, well, you dumped on freaking Devonta Smith last year. I'm like, but Devonta Smith was 5'10", about 75. And I still don't believe it to this day. <laughs> but for instance, like Olave, I feel like if he got paired up with Michael Thomas in New Orleans because of the type of routes that Olave can run, even if Michael Thomas is just, you know, half of what he was when we last saw him play two years ago, I think that'll open up space for Olave on the outside to immediately come in and contribute as a fantasy asset. Uh, what about you, Jens? Yeah, I think he's in a really good spot. I mean, I think like Traylon, he's, he's going to end up in that middle to late range. So you're looking, the one I'm looking at right now, you're looking at the Saints, 
Eagles is probably the earliest he'd go, but he could go to the Cardinals. He could obviously go to the Packers um, or the Chiefs. And any one of those spots is going to be enticing, even the Chargers. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, it's like the later back your favorite receiver goes, the more excited you're going to be for them. Yeah, well, and that's where these guys are going to come even closer because we've got our pretty standard one through five. But if you notice, the the three, four, five guys are going later to the better teams, and the one, twos are going to go these crap teams. So it's only going to mesh them closer. I really struggle with how I feel about Chris Olave um, because he is the most polished route runner in the class, potentially. Him and Sky Moore are pretty close. Um, he knows what he does well, and he does it really well. He gets downfield um, and runs fantastic routes. My only drawback with him is I'm concerned about his ceiling. Um, he wasn't an early declare and kind of a, mm-hmm. uh, a later breakout, which analytically is not always the best. Um, if you told me he ends up being the offensive rookie of the year, I wouldn't be shocked in the least because I think he might be the most NFL-ready receiver of the group. But the drawback is, if you believe in it, is is despite how great he is, this past year he wasn't the best receiver at Ohio State. Yeah. He wasn't even the second-best receiver. He was the third behind Garrett Wilson and you know, Jackson and, and Jigbo, or however you say his last name. <laughs> it's a hard last uh, name to say. Grammar's very difficult with um, weird last names. So if you believe in that, you know, it's hard to, to pitch. The guy's going to be an NFL stud whenever he wasn't even top two of his own team, kind of the DK Metcalf, uh, A.J. Brown effect, even mm-hmm. though both those guys turn out to be great. Um, but uh, I think his ceiling's a little capped. I think I saw that he only broke, I think it was 17 tackles his entire yeah. collegiate career. So, I mean, after the catch, this guy's dead in the water from the standpoint. Unless there's green grass in front of him, he's yes. going down with the first, like, hand that comes his way. Yes. So I think like his, I think like Garrett Wilson, um, he is, is, he, those are the top, those are the two safest guys of these top five. I think you can take it to the bank. They're going to be productive NFL receivers right out of the gate, have solid careers and probably no worse than be a wide receiver three um, worst case scenario. So if you're into that, just getting something safe, those are your two guys. That's I your team. Think Gentlemen, of, there you go. <laughs> of those top five, if you tell me who has the lowest ceiling of the five we talked about, it's definitely Olave. Um, simply because I just don't see that necessarily stud factor with him. But, um, you know, I can be obviously be totally wrong about that. He's just, for that reason, he's my number five. But if he gets taken to one of these fantastic spots, we just discussed Green Bay um, or the Chiefs, then that's going to change it significantly. I mean, you tell me he's Aaron Rodgers' number one target going into mm. this year. I mean, I don't know how I don't put him in my top three receivers after that. <laughs> All right, real quick. Um, sleeper team that I think could potentially get into this is the Detroit Lions. Uh, people forget they have two first-round draft picks, and then their second-round pick is the 34th pick. And just for those at home that are keeping count, there's 32 NFL teams. So they have the number two pick in the second round. So, guys, do you see uh, Chris Olave potentially going to the Lions? I think it would be an interesting uh, concept there with him, TJ Hawkinson, and Amon Ra St. Brown on the other side. I think that would be a very uh, good pickup for them. I mean, Antoine Randall came out and said like a long time ago, of course, he's a wide receiver coach who's a former wide receiver. Um who actually had more touchdown passes than Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl game they played. I think that's a true fact. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That is true. That is true. That Nailed it. Nailed it. uh, He said that he would love the Lions to draft two wide receivers. So it wouldn't shock me if we saw them take one at 32 if there's one there and then another one at 34 if they're just absolutely in love with those guys. All righty. 30 seconds. Tell me who your sleeper pick is for the remaining wide receivers. Jance, go. I think it's got to be uh, 
Christian Watson. That's his name, I think. Um, yep. No, that's his name. Now, now, it's not that I love him. I don't. I, I'm, I probably wouldn't draft him at this moment, but he is probably the biggest boom bust, um, perhaps of this class. Um, you take this guy. Uh, did not. I mean, was was a great physical freak. Tested off the charts, but only got 800 some yards and 43 catches at an SDS school, which is concerning. But was a stud in the Senior Bowl. So take that for what you will. Um, if he goes to one of those top teams, the Packers, the Chiefs, that's going to change the narrative. But um, I think he could either be a total stud or he might be out of the league in three years. JD? For, for me, I think I'm going – my boy is Sky Moore. I originally was low on him because I just was like, Western Michigan, whatever. But I watched him play, and he plays like a, a pro-ready receiver today. Plus, he measured with massive hands. I think he had like 10-inch hands on measurement. I'm like, that literally eats my face, which is a massive hand. And, I mean, he's not, like, a small dude either. Like, he's 5'10", 195. So, he's coming at you like a bowling ball. I recommend you go watch some Western Michigan highlights of Skymore. And you see him make consistent, excellent catches. And, like, Christian Watson, I feel like, is a guy who they were, like, jostling back and forth, which one would you rather have? Skymore had, I think it was 95 catches for almost, like, 16, 1,700 yards versus right. Christian Watson's 50 for, like, 1,000 or whatever. Yeah. And so, it's just, like, I feel like the reason why Christian Watson currently I'm not dumping on your pick, by the way, that it's true. If he goes to the chiefs, that could be real hot real quick, but it's just like, because it's North Dakota state versus Western Michigan, which one's going to get more pub. Right. So that's sky Moore. No one draft him in any league that I'm in because only I'm allowed to. So I, I like both those picks with Christian Watson and sky Moore. For me, it's a guy by the name of Alec Pierce. He was the top wide receiver out of Cincinnati. He's 6'3", 211, big frame. And he also runs a 4'4'1", is what he ran at the uh, at the combine. Has a, a pretty good uh, vertical jump at 440 and a half feet. And his 20-yard shuttle run was 4.2 seconds, which was very good. Uh, I just, and I understand that he didn't have over a thousand yards, but I think he could be a sneaky integral player, kind of very similar to a Hunter Renfro, just a bigger body that is able to figure out his way into the league. He may not be a star this year, next year, but maybe that third, fourth year, a deep bench player that you're able to develop. And remember taxi squad is two years. You could be able to, uh, he could be able to develop and be able to become a non-zero factor into your fantasy league. He's like Hunter Renfro, but with touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Instead of receptions. Not 52 years old. <laughs> Not a 52-year-old insurance salesman who somehow is only like 24. That's amazing. It's All right. so weird. <laughs> you see the man's face and you're just like, you're younger than I am? What? <laughs> Excuse me? Male pattern baldness is a real thing, and I would love to be able to get a sponsorship from for hims. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, not just because I'm a user, but you know, it's a uh, it's it's a good product. Anyways, don't give them free publicity. Date you're taking away all of our cred. <laughs> all righty. Uh, last thoughts about this wide receiver class and the biggest expectation that you have coming out of it. Uh, let's start with you, Jance. I think this wide receiver class is obviously the gem of um, this from a fantasy perspective when it comes to the running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks. Um, it's not as top heavy as last year. There's no Jamar Chase. There's not a, a Jalen Waddle, in my opinion, but it's very deep. I think you're going to get a lot of wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes. You might get a couple of guys that shine and end up in wide receiver one status. Um, but I think that'll probably be the legacy of this this draft is going to be that it's it's really deep and if you if you can find the guys you really like and, and 
you know, they match up with the teams. I think you can find some guys even in the second round of, of our fantasy drafts. They're going to they're gonna come through for you. So I think that's really what's going to be the one big takeaway is, is simply um, that if you do the research and look into this enough, you're going to find the guys you like. There's going to be guys that are going to come back to you in the second round. So just find the one you like um, and do the research on it. I think you'll find a gem probably even in round two, round three, maybe. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. This is a super deep wide receiver class. And the fact that we're talking about Alec Pierce, who I took in the third round of a, of a mock draft here recently, as could be a guy who could pop off. Like, I think that tells you just the depth of it. So keep your eyes open, find your guys that you like. And then after the draft happens, that's when you really determine valuation, really see who's going to be, you know, right. kind of usable in, in the near future and also the distant down their road. And, and especially as the NFL rules continue to change in favor of quarterbacks, wide receivers are going to become that much more valuable in the fact of that they're, they're just continue to have these four or five wide receiver sets. And kind of like with the Rams, you're going to have to go six, seven, potentially eight wide receivers deep on a team. And so wide receivers are going to be a huge factor, not only in the NFL, but also in fantasy football. That's yeah. that, that kind of that was kind of weird how it ended that it, fantasy it was, football. But it's okay. I thought there was something else, but it's <laughs> it is what it is. All righty, fellas. Well, with that, we're gonna wrap up this podcast. Chance, thank you so much for joining us for a conversation. You know you are always welcome on this podcast. Unless um, it's slandering the name of Brees Hall, young man. Oh my exactly gosh. Exactly why you need me on is to come back and talk running backs. Uh, no, I just I want... go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I appreciate you guys letting me come on anytime you want a third voice or somebody to actually disagree with Jacob and taking the task. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to remind everyone uh, that we're on all major podcast platforms. And if we're not on a platform that you are currently listening to or have a favorite of, please let us know via either Twitter or Gmail. JD, where can they find us on Twitter and or Gmail? Well, you can find us on Twitter at misfit underscore FF, or you can send us an email at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com where answer, oh, we'll answer, words are hard. We will answer all of your dynasty football related questions and other fantasy football related questions, commissioner questions. What should I wear to work tomorrow? Jance, you need to wear shorts, like a t-shirt, get some tan going, a little sunblock on the shoulders. Really money. That's how I yeah, make my living. Exactly, dude. There you go. That's how you make more. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, with that, we say goodbye for now. Thank you to everyone that's been listening to us and we'll see everyone back here next week. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for joining us, kids. Bye.